This Lent, our sermons are all exploring different aspects of forgiveness, and we'll continue doing that this morning. But I want to begin this morning with a question. Have you ever read a story and realized that you were missing the ending? And that when you read the end, the meaning of the whole story changed for you? This morning's uh, story comes from the Acts of the Apostles. Acts is full of stories of the early church after Jesus' resurrection, which may seem like a strange choice for Lent, but stick with me. Acts, as you probably know, chronicles Peter and Paul as they plant churches. It's a book about the church and these traveling apostles and the people whose lives are changed because they hear proclamation about Jesus. And most of the time... When we hear today's story, we get the story through that lens. In fact, the lectionary, the the schedule of scripture readings that tells the church uh, what we should read and preachers what we should preach, when this story is included, it focuses there and it stops at verse 34. But what if today's story isn't just about saving souls? but is also about the human need to right wrongs and forgive. Would it change how we hear the story? So I would love for you to take a closer look at this morning's text with me, Acts chapter 16. It's found on page 128 in your pew Bible. This is uh, the story of Paul and Silas in prison. Maybe the story is familiar to you. Maybe it's brand new. Um, But before we get to today's verses, it helps to know what's been happening in the story. Um, So we're going to pick up the story at verse 16. You're welcome to follow along. I'm going to sort of tell the story as we go through. So it says, Paul and Silas are on their way to pray at Lydia's house. And as they were passing through a particular town, a woman, a fortune teller, starts following Paul and Silas around and announcing loudly and repeatedly, these men are slaves of the Most High God who proclaim to you a way of salvation. And she kept doing this for a number of days. And she was drawing attention, and apparently, according to verse 18, she was annoying Paul. And so he ordered the Spirit to come out of her. And it seems that Paul thought he had done a pretty good thing. Perhaps the crowds that were watching were actually going to be impressed by his ability to cast out evil spirits. But if you follow along in verse 19, we discover that this woman was not just captive to a spirit. She was herself enslaved. And she was making a lot of money for her owners by telling people's fortunes. So Paul's exorcism had just ruined her owner's business, which meant that instead of this being a great thing, Paul and Silas were now in a boatload of trouble. And the woman's owners, it says, dragged Paul and Silas out into the marketplace in front of a whole bunch of people and accused them of disturbing the peace, disrupting the status quo. It doesn't say specifically that they're mad because their business was ruined, but it's clear that their motivations were economic. Nevertheless, the crowd and the authorities hear this, 
and they don't know Paul and Silas. They're some unknown outsiders who have now disrupted the economic and social structure of the town. And so they beat Paul and Silas publicly and throw them in jail. Then, verse 25, about midnight, Paul and Silas are sitting in prison, praying and singing songs, and suddenly an earthquake comes and shakes the ground. And the walls of the prison fall, and their chains come off, and the doors fling open. And the jailer, who's charged with guarding them, panics. Because he assumes that if the jail walls have flung open, everyone is going to escape. But Paul and Silas announce, don't worry, we're still here. And the jailer is so amazed that he asks Paul and Silas to tell them the good news that they have been singing about. And Paul and Silas tell the jailer and his whole family about Jesus, whose mercy and grace and forgiveness is for everyone. And the jailer and his whole family are baptized and become believers in God. End scene. That's where we normally stop reading the story. And we've always treated this story as one about how Paul and Silas save souls even from prison. But I want you to follow along with me, beginning at verse 35. When morning came, the magistrates, the judges, sent the police, saying, let these men go. And the jailer reported the message to Paul and said, the magistrates sent word to let you go, therefore come out and go in peace. But Paul replied, hang on. They have beaten us in public, uncondemned men who are Roman citizens and have thrown us in prison, and now they're going to discharge us in secret? Certainly not. Let them come out and take us out themselves. So the police reported these, this word to the magistrates, and they were afraid because they heard they were Roman citizens, and so they came, and they apologized to them. And they took them out and asked them to leave the city, and after leaving the prison, they went to Lydia's home. And when they had seen and encouraged their brothers and sisters there, they departed. This, too, is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Will you pray with me? Come, Holy Spirit, heavenly dove, with all thy quickening power, come shed abroad a Savior's love that it may kindle ours. And may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. The most powerful six words we say in worship every week are these. In Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Some of you are counting. In Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Every week after the prayer of confession, we hear that promise from God. And whether we feel like we deserve it or not, God's grace comes to us, to you and to me. The most radical part of the gospel is that our imperfections, our sins, big and small, do not stop us from God loving us. 
God's forgiveness in Christ is a free gift. It inspires our gratitude and our praise. It inspires us to live a loving, more grace-filled lives ourselves. But whether any of that is true, it remains a free gift for you and for me. In Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. But how many times have you heard one of the pastors utter that promise from God and realize that you still feel heavy? How many times, despite God's forgiveness, do you realize that you are still carrying around the weight of unresolved conflict with others? God's free gift of grace is true. And it's given to each and every one of us afresh every week, but it does not miraculously fix human-to-human relationships that are broken. The spouse whose alcoholism is destroying their marriage. The neighbor whose kids keep leaving toys in the driveway. The friend you thought you could trust that breaks your confidence. The coworker who took credit for your project and got an undeserved promotion. The kid who stole your toy or your best friend. The family member who's difficult to be around because they harbor decades-old pain. Maybe these are minor offenses compared to Paul and Silas being put in prison, but they're indicative of our sinfulness, the ways we hurt one another, big and small, just and unjust alike. And despite hearing God's good news for us every week, news that should set us free, we still live lives of bondage when we carry around unresolved pain. And that's what sin is at its core, the grudges and hurts that we carry around that hold us captive and cause us to hurt ourselves and each other. And it's not a good feeling. But here's what I noticed for the first time in reading today's scripture. Paul and Silas are carrying around a grudge too. All these years, I'd been reading this story and thought that the earthquake, the act of God that set them free, was the pinnacle moment of this story. As the earth shook, God tore down the prison walls and broke the physical chains that were binding them. And Paul and Silas and all of the other prisoners are literally set free. Suddenly, light is able to get into the prison in the dark places that were weighed down by brokenness, and light shines on these two apostles whose lives have been changed because of God's gift of grace. Paul knows this in the depth of his soul. He knows this because he had been forgiven for the harms he'd done to others. The persecution he had committed toward Christians when he saw that blinding light on the road to Damascus and his name was changed from Saul to Paul. God set them free. In Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. But do you notice where Paul and Silas are after the earthquake? They're still in prison. They could have gotten up and walked away. In fact, that's exactly what the jailer expected them to do. But they stayed. And then the next morning, the judge sent word for them to go. Twice they had the chance to just walk away. 
once from the earthquake and then from the judge's decree, and they refused. They refused because there are two kinds of imprisonment going on in this story. The physical chains that bound Paul and Silas, and the invisible chains that bound them to the people that had jailed them in the first place. And it turns out that the visible chains are easier to break than the invisible ones. Those invisible chains, the grudges we carry around, they're powerful. And Paul's inability to forgive meant that he, even though the prison walls had come down, they were still captive. South African Bishop Desmond Tutu, who we heard in the children's moment this morning, he writes, the strings that we attach to forgiveness become the chains that bind us to the person who harmed us. Paul tried to set his own terms for freedom, and by doing so, he ended up invisibly bound. He wanted an apology. He wanted the community to know that he and Silas were innocent, and even if he got none of that, he couldn't simply walk away and pretend like nothing had happened. He knew that he would not be free unless the truth was told. Desmond Tutu, as you can imagine, knows more than a few things about forgiveness. He bore witness to some of the most gruesome and terrible harms and injustices done to black South Africans during apartheid. And then he oversaw the Truth and Reconciliation Commission that bore witness to those injustices. And through all that work, what Tutu learned about forgiveness, what he unpacks in the book that Emma is using for the Lenten study is this. To forgive is not to pretend that what happened didn't happen. Healing and reconciliation, he writes, demand an honest reckoning. Behavior that is hurtful, shameful, abusive, or demeaning must be brought out into the fierce light of truth. And the truth can be brutal, but if we want real forgiveness and real healing, he writes, we must face the real injury. Paul and Tutu knew that freedom found in forgiveness was possible only when the truth was told. Just as the light broke through those jail walls, the light of truth needed to be shined on the situation, and those invisible chains broke when Paul accounted for their pain. And the judges apologized, and they were released publicly before the crowds acknowledging the harm that had been done. In that moment, forgiveness was possible, and they were set free. The physical chains were broken by an earthquake, by an act of God, and light streamed into the jail. But the invisible chains were broken through the work of telling the truth. In the light of day, everyone, Paul and Silas and the judges and jailers and citizens, all are able to walk away forgiven and free. So perhaps this is a story about salvation after all, but not just for the jailer. Through the power of forgiveness, everyone in the story was saved because everyone was free.
The, most six, the six most powerful words we hear in worship every week are, in Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. God's grace remains a free gift, but its power to set us free comes when we own our part in the relationship. It comes when we dare to tell the truth about ourselves and our world, not just in our prayer of confession, but with one another. It comes when we name the hurts we carry and the grudges we bear. It comes most especially when we do that hard work together. Until light can shine on the pains we carry and we can admit the ways we've hurt one another, we remain captive to sin. But when we dare to tell the truth, we have the chance to experience the power of God's grace, those invisible chains that can be released. And so I wonder how might our world and our individual lives be different if we brought the things that hold us and others in bondage out into the light so that God's grace can shine on them as well. How much more joyful would it be for us to hear those words in Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Amen.